Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from our series entitled Imitate, a study on the book of 1 Thessalonians. For more information about CBC or how to get plugged in, visit us on the website, cbcsavannah.com. Father in heaven, this morning it is our joy to come to you. And we just confess, we have such a rich treasure in Jesus Christ our Lord. We have such a rich treasure. We stand in robes of righteousness because of what He has done and what He has done alone. Not because anything we've done, not because anything that we have achieved, not because of anything we failed to do. We stand in robes of righteousness by Your grace and gift. And we worship You. We thank You that You love us and that Your love toward us never fails. Um, And Lord, my prayer for us this morning is that your church, Lord, these people that you love so much, that we would be refreshed by you. We need to receive from you. Can't do anything in our own effort. Can't accomplish anything from our own strength and willpower. We need to receive from you. And so I just pray this morning, Holy Spirit, would you teach us? Would you encourage us? Would you build us up? I pray that you would please help me to communicate your word. We believe that your word is powerful. We believe that your word gives life. And so I pray that you would do, Lord God, what you do for the sake of your name. Amen. All right, good morning, everybody. Y'all can open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're continuing our series called Imitate this morning. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, we have an awesome passage today. How about the cool weather? Or cooler? <laughs> I mean, the last couple of days have been refreshing. I think Greg's mocking me down here. I'm like, man, I think fall is right around the corner. Summer is gone. Uh, vacations are gone. And it's kind of sad. We, uh, our family had our last little vacation this past week. We went up to northwest Montana to see um, in-laws. And as we were leaving, my oldest just starts weeping. I mean, uncontrollably weeping. I don't want to go home. I want to stay here forever. <laughs> and, and even though most of us can conceal our emotions um, better than she can, when we get back into the grind, a lot of us can kind of start to feel the same way. Um, and so here's what a lot of us do. We start looking forward to that next thing. right? We, we start looking forward to the next big event or the next big weekend or the next big game or Thanksgiving or Christmas and we're just always looking ahead and looking ahead and looking ahead. But what I want us to do this morning is to slow down and to kind of just start to look around. Because as much as we don't want to admit it, most of our life is not spent on family vacations or having awesome holidays. Most of our life is spent in our schools, on our teams, in our communities, in our clubs, in our neighborhoods, in our city. And when we look around our city, we see there's some work to do. Roughly 85% unchurched. One out of three kids who start high school and public school don't graduate. Hundreds of refugees are flooding in to our city. There's racism, there's poverty, there's confusion about gender and sexuality. Marriages are falling apart. Families are unraveling. Teenagers are running into substances and, and sex 
to look for satisfaction and escape brokenness. Adults are running through substances and sex to look for satisfaction and to escape brokenness. And this is where we live. All around us, all the time. And friends, as God's, as God's people, God has called each of us to move toward the mess. He's called each of us to engage. Okay, and here's what a lot of us do. We, we kind of look at this place where we live and we think, man, I, I don't know what I can do. You know, I'm just going to kind of keep calm and carry on because I don't know how I can fix this. And, and here's what I want to hold out to us this morning. I think that there is something we can do. I think that we can imitate the Thessalonians. Because, friends, if there was ever a church that engaged their city, it was these guys. In fact, they engaged their city so well that in chapter 1, verse 9, we saw last week, Paul says that he's not even needed there anymore. He says, you guys got this. And so we've got to ask, what, what were these guys doing? Well, we also saw last week in chapter 1, verse 6, that what these guys were doing was simple. They're just imitating Paul. They're imitating what they saw in him. And thankfully, we come to a passage today in 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12, where Paul tells us exactly what he did. And what we're going to see in Paul is that there is a motive and there is a method that God used to have an extraordinary impact. When the Thessalonians adopted it, they started having an awesome impact on their city. And friends, if we today can learn from Paul, then I think we can have a pretty awesome impact as well. So let's, let's go to the Word of God, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12. Let's see what Paul did. And again, my encouragement this morning, Almighty God is real. He has spoken. His Word is true. It is a glorious pleasure to have this Word in your lap. And so I pray that it refreshes us this morning. Let's read it together. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God and test our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor the pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor do we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, that we could have made demand as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own self, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Okay, the first thing that we are going to see today is that Paul had a motive worth imitating. He had a motive that's worth us imitating. Verses 1 through 6 are all about Paul's motive. Okay, let, let me say this up front. Paul's not writing this chapter so that people down the, 
down the road of church history like us can learn from his strategy. The reason he was writing is because after he was kind of pushed out of this city, all these people who were persecuting and attacking the church came along and they started slandering Paul. They started telling the church, all these people who had believed, no, 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 Paul doesn't love you. Paul's not in it for your good. So the reason that Paul wrote this was to remind these Thessalonian believers of how he felt about them, to remind them of his ministry toward them. And, and when he reminds them, he tells them, reminds them about his motive. Okay, and what we see starting in verse three is this. He, he wasn't coming to deceive anybody. He, he wasn't coming to flatter anybody. He, he's not coming to win glory for himself or to get a pat on the back or to get another notch in his belt. Right? He's not motivated by greed, verse 5 says. Right? He's not looking for a little extra coin if you'll sow a seed of faith and get him a jet over to Rome to share the gospel there. It's not what Paul's up to. It's not what's motivating him. So, so what's motivating Paul and his team? Verse 4 tells us, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Paul and his team were living their lives to please God. God had been so gracious to him. I mean, he had saved him and rescued him out of slavery to his sin, out of his blindness. And then he had entrusted him with the gospel. And now it was Paul's joy from his heart to live his life to please God. And so the first thing that motivated Paul, it was simple. It was a love for God. He was genuinely motivated by love for God. But verse eight shows us he's also motivated by love for people. Okay, look at verse eight with me. We're gonna come back to this verse a lot today. It's gonna need a nap after we're done. It's my worst joke in the pulpit in CBC history. <laughs> Let's get that right out there. Verse eight. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Why? Because you had become very dear to us. Paul and his team loved these people. They were affectionately desirous of these people. These people had become so dear to them. And so they wanted to go above and beyond to do good to them however they could. And friends, right away, this is a motive worth imitating. If we want to impact our city, if we want to impact our school, if we want to impact our teams, if we want to impact our communities, then it starts with a love for God and love for people. And, and you've heard us say this, but you guys, this is in the Christian life. It's, it's the big E on the I chart. This has got to be our motive, love for God and love for people. Now, let's, let's do some heart work real quick. Um, and I'm just going to spill my guts. If you're like me, then you have warring motives on the inside. And so rarely do I feel like I'm really governed and motivated by love for God and by love for people. And if I'm being honest, I'm so often motivated by my own agenda and by my own plan and by my own purposes, by my own ideas and by my own cravings, by my own performance. And, and so I think a lot of times I miss out because I'm not motivated by the right things. Maybe you can relate. And, and, and if you're there this morning, here's what I would say. There's a, there's a few things that we can do that'll help us here. And the first thing is just starting by repenting, right? By owning this reality that, Lord, I'm self-absorbed. 
and I'm sorry. Love for God and love for people just don't compel me as often as they should. Okay, and then after we've repented, we, we turn to prayer and we say, God, Lord, would you pour out your love in my heart? Would you give me love for you? And would you give me love for people? And friend, can you, can you think of any prayer that our Lord would love to answer more than that prayer? Fill me up with love for you and love for people. And then every day, let's just remember what God's done for us because nothing else can, can infuse us with love like remembering how God has loved us, right? So y'all remember 1 John chapter 4, John writes, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then he says, brothers, if God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see how the one leads to the other? God loves us. And because he's loved us with this sacrificial, atoning love, that compels us to love him in return and to love other people as well. And and friends, if we'll pray this prayer, and if we'll remember how God has loved us, right, and start to take on this motive, there's no telling what God can do through one church, right? This little church in Thessalonica, which couldn't have been that many believers, they impacted an entire region because they adopted Paul's motive, love for God and love for people. Okay, so we've got a motive worth imitating. We also have a method worth imitating. Look back at verse eight. Verse eight again. So being affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. Okay, so in this one verse, we see Paul's very, very simple strategy. Okay, he's gonna share the gospel and he's gonna share his life. These are the first two steps of this easy little three-step process. Um, And when he shared the gospel and when he shared his life, people's lives started to change. Okay, but let's, let's take it one step at a time. Step one in making an impact is to share our lives. Share your life, okay? Um, and, and let's just own up front. It's not Paul, ultimately, that we're imitating. Because Paul, this is not Paul's strategy. Paul got this strategy from someone else. Paul got this strategy from Jesus. And y'all remember John chapter 1, verse 14, that says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, Jesus' strategy was to leave heaven to share his life with us. Okay, when he calls the disciples, Mark chapter three, verse 14 says this, and he appointed 12, why? So they might be with him. So you you can call it relational ministry, you can call it incarnational ministry, everybody's got all these different names for this stuff. Um, This is what Jesus did, and this is what Paul did, and it works. And if you think for a minute about your own life, and you think about the people who've had a meaningful impact on your life, no doubt it's somebody that you've spent serious time with, right? And you've observed their way of life. You've rubbed shoulders with them. There's something different about them, right? So the, the first step is sharing your life. Now, here's what's, what's very, very important. Paul is sharing a kind of life that is quality. I mean, he is sharing a quality life. And there's three things about his life that I want to highlight because I think we can learn a lot from him. Okay, the first kind of life Paul was sharing was a life of love. Okay, a life of love. We see this in verse uh, 7. we already seen it in verse 8. We see it again in verse 7. Here's what he says. He says, but we were gentle among you 
like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And then he goes on to say, so being affectionately desirous of you. So I want you to think about this. Paul is telling these believers, hey, y'all remember, I loved y'all and took care of y'all like a mama takes care of a baby. Now, some of y'all don't have babies yet. Some of y'all had babies a long time ago. So let me just remind you how this goes. We've got a one-year-old that my wife is finishing up nursing right now. And for the last 12 months, multiple times every day, she stares at this little baby and she oohs and she ahs and she caresses and she holds. And I'm thinking, man, I'd love to get some loving like that, mama. You gotta help me out, right? Hey, y'all know what I'm saying. And here's the point. My wife loves this little girl. She is crazy about her. And Paul's saying the same way that that mama feels about that baby, that's the way I feel about you guys. I love you. And y'all, when we share a life of love, it's obvious and people love it and they want to be around it, right? This is the kind of life Paul was sharing. Hey, but he's also sharing a life of hard work. Okay, look at, look at verse nine with me. He says, for you remember brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. So Paul is saying he worked all the time so he wouldn't be a burden to any of these people. Right? He's carrying his weight. He's not a mooch. He's not lazy. He's not looking for a handout. He's doing the work. And, and friends, I was trying to think this week. I couldn't think of one thing. I was trying to think of one field where hard work is not highly respected. And in every field, this is just highly respected. It demands respect. It demands appreciation. This is the kind of life Paul was sharing. And it stood out. So he's sharing a life of love. He's sharing a life of hard work. And then verse 10, he's sharing a life of holiness. He's also sharing a life of holiness. He says, you are witnesses and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. Okay, Paul was not a guy that just went with the crowd. Paul was not a guy that just did everything that everybody else did. Okay, this guy was set apart. In fact, look at what he does. This is shocking. I mean, I'm I, not one day in my life have I ever had the confidence to call God as my witness to my holy and blameless conduct. That is what Paul does right here. God is witness. That is wild. Okay. So he is sharing a life that loves like crazy. He is sharing a life of hard work and he is sharing a life that is upright. And friends in a dark world, a life like that stands out. Okay. As each of us start to live lives like this, this is how we start to make an impact. Now, let's address a couple errors that we fall into when we share our lives. Okay, when it comes to sharing our lives, a couple errors that we fall into. The first one is sharing a life that's not worth sharing. Okay, and, and I don't mean that anybody's life is not worth sharing. I just, what I'm talking about is kind of a life that identifies as Christian but drags Christ's name through the mud. Okay, um, and let me just, so you know, I've got no judgment on you and I have done this a million times. I'm the guiltiest guy in the room, okay? Um, but when we identify as Christian and still do things the same old way, you guys, still make the same decisions, still have the same gossipy conversations, still make the same shady deals, right? This life is not distinct. 
it's not, it's not attractive. It doesn't draw anybody in. Okay. So this is an error that we can fall into when we're sharing our lives, sharing a life that's no different than the world's. Okay. All right. On the exact opposite side of the coin is not sharing a life that is worth sharing. Okay. And if, if sharing a life that's not worth sharing, if the kind of younger believers are more susceptible to fall into that, then not sharing a life that is worth sharing is, is a, something that older, older believers or more mature believers can fall into. And here's what I mean when I say that. The longer you're a Christian, the easier it becomes to hang out with only Christians. Okay? The easier it becomes to go from Bible study to community group to church to this activity to that potluck to this cookout. And before long, your friend roster is full and there's not one unbeliever on it. And, and we, were, we were talking about this among the staff this week. And we're talking about how difficult this can be, right? Because you start living in this Christian bubble and this Christian subculture. Everybody thinks the way you think and they like the things that you like. And, and you don't have real relationships, real friendships with people who don't know Christ, okay? So those two things are errors that both of us, or that, that lots of people can fall into when it comes to sharing our life. So that's the error, what's the solution? Let's talk about the solution because now we're starting to get to the point where we see how the pieces fit together, all right? This really excites me um, when we can see how this works. We start talking about how we can actually make an impact where we are. Um, we mentioned a few weeks ago that the way that our church is gonna, gonna have an impact on our city is not by any one of us having a really big impact. It's by a lot of us having real small impacts over and over and over again and that the communities that we're a part of. Okay, so I wanna ask a few questions to help you identify what communities you're a part of. And I'll do some explaining. Um, what people or who do you love without effort? Who do you just feel affectionately desirous of? What kind of people, think kind of stereotype almost, what subculture of people do you most naturally relate to or connect with? What communities are you already a part of that have a significant number of people and, and people who don't know Christ? Where do you spend most of your time? Okay, now I want you to think for a minute. So we got, you know, 700 brains in the room thinking about this. How many different people or groups of people do you think are represented from the people in this room? Tons, right? All kinds of diversity. And, and here's how this works, you guys. We don't want you to add one single thing to your life. Not one. If you're a nurse, here's all, all you gotta do. You go to Memorial and you share a life of love and you share a life of hard work and you share a life of holiness with the other nurses there. If you like fishing, you get your fishing buddies and you share a life of love and a life of hard work and a life of holiness with those guys. Do it at your law firm, do it with your football team, do it with your frat buddies, do it with your tennis pals, do it at your work. This is how we're gonna have an impact. If each of us go into these places and we share a life that's worth sharing, that's how a church starts to make a difference. Okay, so that's step one, share your life. Let's move to step two now. Um, step two, again, back in verse eight, after we share our lives and as we're sharing our lives, the second step is to share the gospel. Share the gospel. Um, 
Read the verse again. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. And and we could look at all 12 verses again. We won't for the sake of time. But six times in these 12 verses, Paul references sharing the gospel. And so here's what I want to make sure of this morning. I don't want to assume that we're all good with what we mean when we talk about the gospel. Maybe it's your first time at church. That is awesome. We're pumped that you're here if it is. Um, maybe you have some misconceptions about what we mean when we say gospel. So if, if you don't know exactly what we mean when we talk about the gospel, I want you to lean in right now. And if you do know what we mean when we say gospel, I also want you to lean in because I want you to be refreshed. And nothing can strengthen you and nothing can encourage you like this good news. Okay? So gospel just means good news. Okay? That's what it is. It's news. It's an announcement. It's a message. Okay? And it's the message that our biggest problem has been solved and that our biggest need has been met. And this message starts with bad news, okay? And and the bad news is this. The bad news is that even though that we have been made by a perfect and loving God, we've turned away from this God, okay? We've gone our own way in our actions and our attitudes, even in our nature, we have left God and the Bible calls this sin. And there's two Two major problems with this that I want to highlight. The first one is brokenness. Okay, so you look around the world and you see brokenness and you see chaos everywhere. And you look in the mirror and you see brokenness, right? This is the result of sin. Okay, but sin is not, or brokenness is not the only problem here. Sin also makes us guilty. We have wronged the God who made us. We've wronged the God who puts breath in our lungs. And this is such a serious offense that is only payable by death. Okay, that's the bad news. Okay, now here's the good news. And this is great news, friend, and I hope that it encourages your soul this morning. The good news is that this God who made everything, he made you, he made everything that you love, he loves you so much that he sent his own son to deliver you from your brokenness and from your guilt and from your sin. He came down to earth to live a perfect life of love, a perfect life of hard work, a perfect life of holiness. And at the end of that perfect life, he willingly and obediently went to the cross to take your death penalty and to take my death penalty. And God the Father was so pleased with this sacrifice, that he raised him from the dead. And now he offers this free gift of forgiveness and salvation to anybody who would simply believe in him. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to pull up your bootstraps. You don't have to try harder or work more. You just believe. And when you believe, Almighty God declares you forgiven. He declares you innocent by his spirit. He will start working to make you whole until you are with him one day in heaven. That is the gospel. That is good news. And friends, the Bible and our experience tell us that this good news has power. So Paul starts his letter to the Romans by saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Somehow, supernaturally, when this message is communicated, people believe. They're brought from innocence to, or from guilt to innocence, from death to life. Right? So it's exactly what happened with the Thessalonians. We saw it in chapter 1, verse 5. Our gospel came to you not only in word, 
but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And so friend, just be reminded, this is what has happened with so many of us. We heard this message and at some point it clicked, right? And we felt like we had figured out the riddle of the universe. It explains everything. And all of a sudden the guilt was gone and the peace flooded in and new desires started to come to us. We started to love God. We started to love his word. We started to care about people. This message had the power to bring us from death to life and it's had the power to continue to transform us. And friends, as we share it, it has that same power to do that in the lives of the people that we love most. So we've got to share it. Now, let me, every, every time that kind of the idea of sharing the gospel comes up, I want to own, I, listen, I know this can be kind of frightening. <laughs> and I know you can be like, dude, I don't know. I don't know if this is for me. I get that for sure. Um, totally. Let me just throw something out there. Bible in 1 John chapter 4 talks about how love casts out fear. Okay, so love has this powerful way of overriding fear. This is why motives are so important in the Christian life, you guys, right? This is why I'm not saying go do this because you'd be a, a good boy and God will love you more. No, don't, don't start to do this until you're motivated by love for God and love for people. Okay? But love has this way of overriding our fears. Let me explain how it works. So fear of inadequacy or not knowing what to say. It's a huge, huge hangup for a lot of folks. Why we, we, don't, we don't share the gospel sometimes. Um, love can overcome this fear. I got a buddy who's, who's just fallen in love with a game of golf. Okay? He's fallen in love with it. And uh, he goes, goes to the driving range to learn how to play golf. You guys, and this guy... He stinks. I mean, he just flat stinks. If anybody should be afraid of what people are going to think of their inadequacy, it's this guy on the driving range, right? But guess what he keeps doing? Keeps buying clubs, keeps getting lessons, keeps grinding day after day after day. Why? Because his love for golf is overriding his fear of what people might think of him. Okay? Th think, think about uh, fear of being rejected. Okay, or fear of offending somebody. This is another big reason I think why it's difficult sometimes for a lot of us to share. Any man who is married to a woman probably knows that love can overcome the fear of rejection. Okay, because you got to put yourself out there at some point. Let me tell you how it happened for me. <laughs> True story. Me and Victoria are kind of moving along in our dating relationship, pretty into her. She's a good looking woman. Those of y'all who know her know I've outkicked my coverage by a mile. And um, I'm on the phone with her. I'm in uh, Savannah, she's in Montana. And I just get overwhelmed with love for her. And I've never told her I loved her before. And so I just say, Victoria, I love you. And here's what I get back on the other side, you ready? Three, one thousand four, one thousand five, nothing. <laughs> Silence. So that's a. Hey, are are you there? <laughs> but what did I do? I, I kept telling her I loved her, right? Because my my love for her was overriding my fear 
of rejection. Okay, and friends, it's, it's the same with sharing the gospel, right? The more that we begin to love God and the more that we begin to love people, we ask for his help. We don't do this in our own strength, right? But we ask that he would give us this love. And then that, that love, it starts to override that fear. So we're willing to step out in faith, trusting he's gonna meet us. Okay, so step one is share your life. Step two is share the gospel. One more quick step we see in verses 11 and 12. Um, and that's this. Paul says, for you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and we encouraged you and we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Okay, um, we'll just call this step show and tell. All right, this was my favorite part in school. After show and tell, everything went downhill for me. So I wanted to come back and use what I've learned. Um, what Paul does when these people believe is he shows them how to follow Christ and he tells them how to follow Christ. And here's, here's the good news, you guys. The Bible tells us this and our experience tells us this. And this is so exciting because I'm watching some of you guys live your life this way right now and it just is thrilling, okay? So when we will share our life and when we share the gospel, God has planned for some to believe and they will believe. And it's awesome when that happens, right? It takes the pressure off because we plant and we water, but God makes it grow. And then when God does give that growth and these people come to faith in Christ, our job is simply to show these people that we love, right, that we're affectionately desirous about and to tell them how they might follow Christ too. And here's the great news. If we sh are showing them along the way, living a life of love and hard work and holiness, they're gonna be learning how to follow Christ without even knowing it. See, in the Christian life, it's just like anything else, more is caught than taught, right? This is why I can tell Julia not to pick her nose, but she still picks her nose, right? And she's not learning from her mom. Um, <laughs> hey, you guys. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I mentioned that in, uh, to some pastors in Nicaragua, and apparently it's not just dumb and gross in Nicaragua. It's like highly offensive, and they I felt like they wanted to shoot me with a gun. But anyway, so we, we show them and then as we show them how to follow Christ, we're also explaining to them. We're telling them, we're encouraging, and we're exhorting, and we're charging them, right? Just like a dad would his kids. Hey, come with me. Let me tell you how to do this. Let me show you how to do this. And if you're wondering, hey, what do we, what do we teach them? Well, we teach them the specs. This is why we're annoyingly repetitive about the specs, why we come back to it all the time, because these are the fundamentals, right? So we want to help people learn the scriptures and we want to help them learn to pray. We want to help them learn to do this, to engage and to be in community and to steward all that they have for the kingdom of God. So this is the simple strategy. Share your life, share the gospel, and then show and tell people how to follow Christ. And if each of us will go into our own little networks of people, our own little communities that are so diverse across this city, motivated by love, and we'll do this, that's how we start to make an impact over time. Okay, Let, let's close by applying this because I don't want this just to be kind of up here. I really want it to, to bring it to bear on us so that we have some action steps to take, okay? Um, and, and there's an application for each of us and then there's an application for all of us. Okay, so let me start with the application to each of us. In this room, we've got some Hall of Famer Christians and we've got some rookie Christians. We got people who are all across the board. Some people have been walking with the Lord for a long time who are really mature. Some people who are brand new, okay? And here's what I want you to do. I want you this morning to do the next right thing for you. I don't want you to worry about this whole big picture. I don't want you to try to 
eat an elephant one bite at a time, I want you to do the next right thing, okay? And so here's how this works. If you're here and you're not a Christian, right, and you have never believed this good news of what Almighty God has done on your behalf, sending his own son to die in your place, then the next right step for you might just be, hey, I want to accept that gift. I want to trust Jesus. And if that's you, don't worry about one more thing that we've talked about today. You just do that. If you're here and you're a Christian who's kind of slidden back and you're struggling and you feel like you're just sort of stumbling through life and you definitely don't feel like your life's worth sharing right now, maybe you feel like you've been dragging Christ's name through the mud, here's the only thing I want you to worry about. I want you to see Jesus Christ waiting for you with open arms. He has died for you and he loves you and he wants to restore you. And so you come back to him and you just start walking with him again. And we got things that can help you do that. Maybe you need to get in a community group and walk with some brothers or sisters. Maybe you're a student and you need to jump in with CBC students to, to have some accountability and some friends who are Christians. Maybe you're a college student and you need to jump in with CBC College. But we want you to just, man, start growing. Start being made whole again. That might be the next step for you this morning. Maybe you're here and you realize, gosh, I'm a Christian, but I hadn't, hadn't really been sharing my life. Maybe the next step for you is this week, you invite your neighbor over for dinner. Have them over for dinner. Maybe the application this week is to join a book club, right? To set up a golf game on a weekly basis with buddies. That could be the most holy thing you do all week. And I'm thankful that that's true, okay? <laughs> Figure out a way to share your life with some people who don't know Christ. Maybe for some of y'all, as we've talked, um, the Lord's impressing a specific person on your heart. And maybe for you, you know, this week, you need to talk to them about Jesus. And so the right application for you could be a text message to set up a lunch or a coffee before you leave here, just to say, hey, I'm gonna take my brother or my son or my granddaughter or my buddy or call that old friend. And I've gotta to talk to them about Christ this week. That would be a great application. And then maybe others of y'all are saying, hey, I wanna learn, learn how to do this. I wanna learn to live my life this way, to share my life and to share the gospel and to show and tell people how to follow Christ. If that's you, you guys, this is what we're here for. There is like nothing more that we would love than to help you with this. So we've got a, we've got a training coming up in the fall that's gonna do this. You can email me personally and I would love to sit down with you and talk about some ways to get going on this. So wherever you are along that spectrum, you just do the next thing for you. Don't worry about anything else. Okay. All right. Now here's the application for all of us. Um, in the uh, Bible pockets, there are these cards. So if, if y'all would distribute these to your rows real quick, and I'll give instructions as we're handing them out. Yes, sharing our life. Yes, sharing the gospel. Yes, helping to make disciples of new believers can be, it can be super intimidating. But here's one thing that all of us can do. Every single one of us can pray. Every single one of us, okay? So on these cards, there's three spots, okay? And these are spaces for three names of people that you love, people that you're in a relationship with, people that you're maybe already sharing life with who don't know Christ. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to write down the names of those people on this card, okay? And here, here's what we're going to do with this card. We're going to put it in a place where we see it every single day. Okay. You might want to put it on your dashboard. You might want to put it on your desk. You might want to put it on your mirror where you brush your teeth at night. You might want to put it in your Bible. 
wherever you can remember to see this every day, we want to see it every day. And here's why we're doing it. We're not doing it because people are projects. That is the last reason why we would ever do this. We're doing this because we love these people so much that we want to be reminded to pray for these people that we love every single day. So pray that they would come to know Christ. Pray that God would reveal himself to them and would start to draw them to him. And friends, let's just see what he does. Together, as we pray consistently, let's just start to see what God does. All right? And then, if some of y'all are thinking, man, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm ready to take the next step. Well, pray, serve, share. Start looking for ways to serve these people on your list. No strings attached. Just do good to them. Figure out a way to serve them. And then pray for open doors, that God would open some doors for you to talk to them about Christ. And let's see what God does with it. Um, friends, I'm convinced that if we will start with prayer and then we will imitate Paul's motive to love God and love people, and then we will imitate his method to share the gospel and share our life and show and tell people how to follow Christ. This is how our church can impact our city. Let's pray. Father, we love you. You are awesome. And we just bow before you this morning, um, acknowledging that every good thing we have comes from you. Every good thing, Lord. And we thank you that you have sent Jesus um, to save us. We thank you that you loved us enough not to leave us, that you loved us enough to share your life with us. And I just pray, Lord God, that wherever anybody is today, I just pray that you'd help us each to take the next step. Help us each to take that next step toward intimacy with you, toward obedience with you. And I pray that you would meet us in it. I pray that you would start to move in and through our church in this city and that you would, you would just draw more and more people to see your worth and your beauty. I pray in Christ's name, amen. It's good and stand together.